Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Rainers in Racing podcast. We've got a very busy schedule for today's episode, so you'll have to bear with us because it could get very confusing. Anyway, our focus for this week is going to rest on race courses, namely what is our favourite race course. So we're going to get this discussion kicked off straight away because, as I say, we've got a lot to get through. So, Sam, we'll start with you. What is your favourite race course? Um, my favourite race course is Leicester, and I think Leicester gets quite a lot of mixed reviews. Um, but I absolutely love the place. I love the way it's set out. I love just the racing that you get there. And it isn't top level, but it's always quite competitive, and it's really I just love it. And um, I also Warwick's creeping up there to kind of overtake Leicester at favourite spot. They're both very local to me, and um. I've had some really lovely days out at Warwick. Um, as a flat course, probably Le- Leicester as well. But I've also been to Chester. And I like the way Chester's laid out because you can kind of go in the cheap bit and sit on the wall, like still inside the race course grounds and be able to see like the entirety of the track. Um, and I quite like that about it because it's so small and tight. Lois, what about you? I know you're an entry local and you go to Haydock a lot as well, but are either of those two your favourite? I'd probably have to say that Aintree is my favourite of the two, just purely because of the national fences. You get to, like, if you stand in the right position um, by the Aintree fences, you get to watch all of it, and it's it's just so cool. But it, but it can be very cold. That's the only downside of Aintree, especially that beach of chase day. It is always freezing. I know what you mean. I definitely get very cold at the races. I know when Sam and I went to Warwick, <laughs> I was just putting more and more layers on as the day went through. It was and freezing. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> Whenever um, the sun went behind a cloud. <laughs> oh, but it was a great day in all fairness. Amazing, just, yeah. So just good. cold. <laughs> um, I think my favourite race course now, in my notes here, I've written down three. So first, like in that number one spot, and I think it does take have the edge as being my favourite, would be Newbury. It's my local race course. The viewing's really good. The facilities are great. And I love the layout of it because the parade ring is behind the grandstand, but it's all really close together. And it's easy to get to wherever you stand. You've got a view of the race course and the quality of racing there as well is really, really high. I mean, I went to the Labrooks Trophy meeting in 2018. And again, it was a freezing day, but it was just a brilliant atmosphere. And we got to see the likes of Santini. We saw Champ. So really, really good horses. And that was on the undercard to the Labrooks Trophy itself. Now, speaking of quality of racing, the second course on my list is Ascot. And I've been there a lot, actually, even though, you know, it's close It's close to where I live without being right next door, you know. But um, in terms of atmosphere, the first time I went to Ascot was Cape Cove Richards Champions Day in 2012. And, of course, that was when Frankel had his last race. Now... That was probably only my third or fourth time going to the races. And I mean, what an occasion to go to. It was a great first introduction to Ascot. And I've been back every year since. And yeah, it's definitely one of my favourites. It's just because of the atmosphere and, of course, the history. And then the other race course I've actually got written down is Nottingham. Now, this is quite different to the other two in that I've never actually been there solely to watch the racing. But Nottingham Racecourse has a very special place in my heart because it's where I led up my first winner. Now, the stables were really good. The canteen was great. And the staff were so friendly there as well. And I think that kind of makes the experience so much more enjoyable is when you've got friendly staff who are going to help you out. And of course, it was just capped off by a great day leading up my first ever winner. So yeah, Nottingham's a really nice place to go to. And from what I saw of the race course, actually, it's a really, really lovely little course. And yeah, definitely one of the smaller ones I'd definitely recommend to visit. So, Killian, what about you? What's your favourite race course? Um, a bit like Samantha, 
I want to keep it local and I suppose Killarney Racecourse is my favourite track. It is probably the first race course I went as a child. And it's only about 10 or 15 minutes from my house. Uh, I go there every summer. Um, I suppose it's referred to as Ireland's most scenic race course and it definitely lives up to that billion. Uh, as the backdrop to the race course, you have Ross Castle and the mountains, lakes of Killarney. It's only about 10 minutes walking distance from Killarney Town itself, which is one of Ireland's main tourist destinations. Uh, we I was lucky enough to work there last summer, which was so enjoyable to be able to supposed to work in the office and see what goes in behind the scenes to a race day. And kind of the buzz to feel that and just to be involved in it was great. Uh, we have a lot of kind of mixed cars during the summer, which are really nice kind of like on a summer's evening. You kind of start off with your your flat maidens. You might have a, a mile flat handicap and then you go on to your hurdles and your jump racing over fences and you might finish off with a bumper. So anybody that goes racing in Killarney, they kind of get to sample all varieties of racing. And we've had some pretty good horses running there recently, especially on the flat. We had the likes of Eridessa won her maiden, Anthony Van Dyke, and Wings of Eagles won their maiden at the track too. Uh, so we've been lucky in recent years with the quality of horses that the likes of Aidan O'Brien are sending down. And it's definitely there's definitely plans to improve the track, for instance, fit up the racing manager. They're thinking of building a new entrance. And, you know, Philip is really... You know, improving the kind the I suppose the quality of racing and everything you know about that. Like we had Frankie Dettori last summer, which was absolutely massive for the race course. We managed to get an attendance of I think it was about four and a half thousand. And just to give a bit of context on that, like the Cora had a Friday evening meeting for the Pretty Polly, which was a group one card, and they could only manage I think it was a bit less than four. So we actually managed to get a bigger attendance than Nakara. Uh, so Killarney be my favourite, but I suppose kind of Galway as well. Like Galway is great for the the crack and the banter during the summer. And I've been to Leperstown and Fairy House recently, and they're two very well run tracks with great viewing from the stands, and I really like them as well. Finally, Luke, what is your take on this? What's your favourite race course? Yeah, like Killian, the local track for me, I've got a few Ballystown and Ferry House that are close to me. But Ballystown, like through the summer there, they have the mixed cards like Clarny. They start off with the flat, they have the few hurdles, the few hurdle races and a bumper. You get a great atmosphere up there, there's very laid back. Even the parade ring, like it's just grass, there's no such tarmac or anything going around the outside. They just walk around on the grass. It's a great place to go through the summer. Also, for the the new Curra as well, that was good last year. That will only get better as time goes on and the crowds start coming back. Leopardstown, as Killian said, and Galway, there's a few there, but Galway as well, great crack through the summer, as Killian was saying, their seven-day festival is something that many people should be putting on their bucket list to go through, go to during the summer. I think a common theme there is that we've all picked tracks that are quite local to us. So I'm going to pose this next question to us. What are the most important features of a race course in relation to whether they become your favourites or not? Is it how close they are to where you live or would you look at something like maybe the quality of the racing or maybe the facilities, what it, what the view's like from the grandstand? What would you consider to be that most important quality? Sam, we'll come back to you. What's your take on this? Um, well, I think it's just kind of the overall experience. I like being able... I like Leicester on a quiet day, National Hunt, when there's not many people there. You can see the horses. They've still got decent jockeys there where you can stop jockeys, have a chat. I don't like it when it's too overcrowded, which is why I like Leicester so much. Um, I just think, overall, as long as there's competitive racing... And kind of the layout of the track's nice and everything, and it's kind of practical for what you want to get out of the day. Then I, that's what I like in a race course, really. Lois, what's your most important feature? 
Um, I think it's difficult because I agree with Sam in that where I used to live, um, we had like Exeter and Newton Abbott, Wincanton around, and they were quite quiet at the times that I went. That was nice because, like Sam said, you get like a nice view of the horses. Like it's 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 nice to go on a quiet day. At the same time, there's nothing quite like being like right in the center of a group of people screaming for Tiger Roll. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because that was unreal at um, Aintree last year. That was so that's such a surreal experience. And I think that for me, I think maybe quality probably trumps it because the times, the best times that I've been racing have been Aintree, have been Ascot, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't know. Actually. I think I, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I think I'd agree with you, actually. I think the quality of the racing can really make the day, but you remember the occasion for the atmosphere after a big win for, say, Frankel or Tiger Roll, as you mentioned. I think for me, um, one race course that actually I forgot to mention earlier that I've been to was um, Harry Longchamp. I went in October. I went to try and watch Enable win a third arc. It didn't happen. But you know what? If you could, if you get the chance to go there, I would so recommend it. It is the most amazing race course. Just the facilities are amazing. You know, the grandstand, obviously they've refurbished it in the last few years. It is stunning. And we went on the Saturday as well as the Sunday. Now, the Saturday was so much quieter than the Sunday. So it was quite nice to see that difference between the atmospheres because you had the kind of civilised, serene, you know, regular race day on the Saturday, which was still a really good card. Like we're talking two group ones. But um, actually, I think the Sunday topped it because of the atmosphere and just the way that the grandstand was just packed as the horses paraded in front of us and seeing just the reaction to when Enable came out and hearing the crowd, it was just incredible. And it it was unmatched for me, really. And it's actually got kind of just kind of this contrast during the race. When Enable hits the front, I've never heard a noise like it. Everyone's cheering. It literally feels like the ground is shaking. And then as soon as Wild Wildgeist comes past. Oh, it's just like <laughs> I know it's just like the floor had just completely fallen off the place. Like it was so it was just eerie the atmosphere. But that was what made that day unforgettable. I think so. I think I would agree with you in that quality of racing and atmosphere are definitely the most important factor for me. Killian, we'll come to you next. What's your take on this? Um, so when I go racing, I suppose my best days or most memorable days are orientated around the horse rather than, let's say, having unbelievable facilities at the race course. Like, I'll be honest, Limerick wouldn't be my favourite track. I, I was there since Stephen's Day. And what made it good was Faheen winning and the atmosphere on the race course. Like, I couldn't tell you how long the queue was for the toilet or if the tea was good or anything like that. I know when people go that aren't really into racing when they go to the races they want that kind of they want nice hospitality which is important but for me I put a lot of emphasis on kind of the quality of horses that are running and I suppose when you look at Fairy House and Leperstown they have a perfect mix of that like Dublin Racing Festival we had the best horses running but like also for people that don't really follow racing understand what's going on the track they also had the tent the music loads of coffee shops and all this and they have a new dining hall and they're building a new entrance so for people that like the racing they want to see the quality animals but it's also important to keep in mind the customer also Luke what's most important to you? Yeah like quality you can't be like say there Dublin Racing Festival, me and Killian were there when Fahin won and the place just erupted once he hit the front jump at the last they're the moments you don't forget about racing. And it makes the day whereas say Bellius Town with the handicap, you're not gonna get the same buzz, but it's still something that you enjoy, like at a track that's local. 
So we've had a big response to this question on Twitter this week. Now we've had a message in from Jamie Brownlow who said, my favourite race course is York. They've got the balance absolutely right. I've been going there to John Smith Cup meeting about 20 years, but I've been very lucky to sponsor a race which took place last year, which was an absolutely fantastic day. Drink prices are reasonable and there are plenty of food stalls. You just have to look around for value for your money if you can. Even the city itself is fantastic. Now, the best smaller tracks, they are Fakenham and Southall. Both look after the owners well and they are nice little tracks now. York's really nice. And that's actually been really, really popular on Twitter, hasn't it, Sam? Yeah, it has. Um, one of the things people were saying was the ice cream, that that's, that's meant to be pretty good I there can as vouch well, for that. next to the paddock. <laughs> so I feel like I need to go just to try the ice cream and see the wonderful horses. Um, but also some people mentioned some um, pompadour in France. That's what Random Andy said. Apparently, that's the prettiest race course anywhere. Um, and the prices seem quite reasonable, actually. And then Aintree was also mentioned. And St. Moritz. Um, is that the one where they race on yeah, the snow? Yeah, that's um, the one, the snow racing one. That looks one. pretty cool. Yeah, I'd love to go there. I need to do a Rainiston racing trip. We need yeah. to go international, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, racing tourism is becoming a lot more popular actually now, isn't it? I mean, racing breaks have been really great in setting up trips to France, to Dubai. And it's just, it's bringing the racing world closer together. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I've been racing in France. And I think the general trend from people who've been to different race courses in France is that French racing is amazing so if you do get the chance go to France if you go to France on your holidays this summer go racing actually just go racing this summer it doesn't matter where you are we've t- spoken about how great race courses are so yeah just go racing with your family with your friends whoever you want just go racing the weights were released for the Grand National earlier this week and the headline coming out of that is Tiger Roll He's been allotted top weight of 11 stone 10. I think it's a fair enough mark. He's won this race twice. He's won countless times at the Charlton Festival. I think he's the best horse in the race over these fences. I think he deserves the weight. But Killian, what are your thoughts? Um, I suppose everybody in racing would love to see Tiger Roll win his third Grand National. But after 11 stone 10, it's going to be so hard for him like to rate him 170 it's remarkable really that tiger roll has got to that mark like he's just he's on the same mark as delta work who's a five-time grade one winner and it'll be competitive in the gold cup like i don't think tiger roll would even place in the gold cup so to have him the same mark as delta work you kind of thinking how is that to be honest like tiger roll's mark of 170 should really there should nearly be a separate handicap for him. He should have a mark outside of entry and a mark whenever he runs at a different track. Like he probably is a one hundred and seventy performer, maybe around entry. If you get what I mean. But like uh I, I just hope Chickens Town run him. And it'll probably be his last run. But like I I'd be amazed if he won it off eleven stone ten. Like he he was nearly beaten by Pleasant Company. And I think if Magic of Light had jumped the last better, she would have been a bit closer. I think she's four pounds better off at the weights now this year. So he 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 actually will have to improve to win it again. Um, he runs at Navin on Sunday. Garden thinks he'd need to run, and of course he's going to run in the cross country at Cheltenham. And given his handicap mark of one hundred and seventy, he'd have to be a certainty in the cross country. Uh, off that mark. So, look, I just, I just hope he runs, but I, I'm i struggling to see him winning off that. Yeah. Well, now we've got the weights out, it's beginning to make the picture a little, well, maybe not clearer, but it's definitely helping to build the atmosphere towards Aintree at the beginning of April. So, obviously, way too early to make a set selection, 
but we're going to go round now and we're going to just give an initial idea of who we think our national horse could be for this year. So, Killian, I'm going to come to you first because you've been giving us, well, you've been dead set on one horse from since we've started this podcast, but now seeing his weight, you might not even get in. So have you changed your mind? Yeah, like I say, I was quite keen on LeBroy, but he's probably a bit too low on the handicap to get in. So with that in mind, I am... I know it's a long way off the Grand National, but any second now would be my fancy at the moment. I think he's tailor-made for the race. Trained by Ted Walsh. I think he has this race in mind from this season. He won last year's Kim Muir. Uh, he's crying out for a long trip like this. He finished third at Leopardstown last day. It's a nice run. Uh, he's a lovely weight of 10 stone 6. He'll get in. Uh, he's 20 to 1. He's still only eight. He's I know he's he's had plenty of runs under his belt, but uh, I think he'll really relish the stamina test of a Grand National. And yeah, I think he's a good price. So I've got two in mind at the minute. So the first I'm going to pick out is Yala Enki. Now Paul Nichols has been very very sweet on this horse. His comments comparing him to no other than Neptune Collange. So I think that's worth taking note. And, of course, he's guaranteed the run. If he stays sound, he's carrying a weight of 10 stone 11. So I think he's actually got a really good chance and he'll stay forever if you asked him to. And I think he's a really nice horse. He's got a big win in him somewhere. Who's to say it won't be at Aintree. Now, the other horse that I wanted to give a mention to was she's been mentioned before magic of life I think she's got a lot of class and clearly as she showed last year she stays so I'm kind I'm hoping that a return to Aintree will maybe bring out even better from her we've seen her be incredible so far this season of course she was my winning nap the other week but I think well I don't think I'm hoping that she could possibly get even closer this year to landing the biggest prize of all. Sam, we saw Kimberlite Candy win at Warwick the other week. Yeah. And you've been saying a lot of very lovely things about him. Is he your national pick, having seen his weight of 10 stone four? He is. I'm absolutely delighted with that. Um, I turned to you, didn't I? And I said, he's going to go well in the national. And I genuinely think he will. I was just com- I completely fell in love with him, really. Um, I really like the way he went about it. And um, I think the extra little bit in trip won't be a problem for him. Um, JP McManus also has OK Corral. And this horse was quite well fancied for the old National Hunt when it was four miles. Um, and I think I he didn't run a proper race that day. And he, was, he got back to winning ways last time. And I think he might be able to give Nicky Henderson um, his first... Grand National, but I'm not fully convinced with him. He's just one I've kind of got a, a feeling about that he might run well. Um, so, yeah, those two. They're my pair at the minute. Lois, you've been there before. Grand National Day. When you're there this year, who are you going to be placing your money on? Well, obviously it's early days at this point, but I do like the look of walking the mill off 10 the same weight. Oh yeah, I the agree, same yeah. weight as last year. Um, he was fourth last year, and he was quite impressive over the um national fences in December. Recent run was second. That was just probably just to freshen him up a little bit, though. Um, I think that ten four is a really good weight for him. Another one I'd like to see get a run is Potter's Corner. Very popular for a very popular trainer, Christian Williams. Um. I think that they're happy with that weight as well um, of 10-6. And obviously it was a very impressive um, Welsh national winner. Um, so, yeah, those are my two. Potter's Corner and Walk in the Middle. Luke, what about you? Who's your pick off these weights? Obviously, you'd love to see Tiger O win. It's going to be a tough task and hopefully he does, but I like Class Conti, he was second last day in the Tiestes at Gowran. He's a 
brother to Sylvaniaco Conti. He ran on well that day from a wide trip, stayed on strongly to finish second. I think the step up in the trip would hopefully see more improvement come. He was a French recruit for Willie Mullins, who I think there's still more to come from him. And hopefully the occasion will bring the best out in him. So at this point in the podcast, usually we would have a quiz. But this week, I wanted to change it up a bit. We've had the Grand National weights out, so I thought, why not stick with the entry theme? We're going to play a game of higher or lower. So how it works is I'm going to name a Grand National winner and the year. All you've got to do is name whether the horse that won the following year carried more or less weight. So we're going to start in 1999. Bobby Joe won the race. Now, he was carrying 10 stone. Sam. The 2000 winner was Papillon. Was he carrying more or less weight? More. Correct. He carried 10 stone 12. So, Killian. In 2001, Red Marauder won the race. But did he carry more or less weight than 10 stone 12? Uh, less. Correct. Well done. He carried 10 stone 11. So, Lois, we'll come to you next. In 2001, hang on. In 2002, I forgot what year we were in, Bindari won the race. But was he carrying more or less than 10 stone 11? Um, let's go with less. That's right. That was a complete guess, wasn't it? <laughs> just a just a feeling. Well, it's fifty-fifty. So, yeah, Bindari carried ten stone four in two thousand and three. Monty's Pass won the race. Now, Luke, did Monty's Pass carry more or less weight than Bindari's ten stone four? Um, ten stone four is light. Fire. Correct. He carried 10 stone 8. So in 2004, Amberley House won. Of course, a very memorable victory that for Ginger McCain. But Sam, we'll come back to you. Did Amberley House carry more or less weight than Monty's Pass? Um, less. No, it was more. Mm. Our first wrong answer. Out with my year. I should know this. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amberley House carried 10 stone 10. So, Killian, in 2005, Hedge Hunter won the race. Did he carry more or less weight? I would say more. Correct. 11 stone 1. Lois, Proper back jump. to you. 2006, number 6, Valverde. What a great name. To win the race in 2006, did he carry more or less weight than Hedge Hunter? Was Hedge Hunter what was Hedge Hunter's again? 11 stone one. Um, less. Correct. He carried 10 stone eight. Yes. So, <laughs> well done. <laughs> in 2007, Silver Birch won, but did he carry more or less weight than 10 stone eight, Luke? Um, oh, less. Correct. He carried 10 stone six. So then in 2008, Comply or Die won the race. But Sam, did he carry more or less than Silver Birch? Um, what did he, what was Silver Birch again? Sorry. Silver Birch carried 10 stone six. Um, more. Correct. So Comply or Die had 10 stone 9. Well done. <laughs> so That's so stressful. Killian, back to you. No pressure, guys. It's all right. <laughs> In 2009, Mon Moan won the race at 100 to 1. But did he carry more or less weight than 10 stone 9? I'm going to say less. Oh, no. You've got it wrong. What? 11 stone. Ele- oh, tight, tight. 
So, Lois, now it's your turn again. Don't Push It was the next horse to win the race in 2010. Did he carry more or less? Um, oh, dear. Um, more. Is that brave? Well done. That was right. <gasps> Is that right? Oh That's God. right. I'm a tired. Eleven size. stone five. <laughs> eleven five, you say? Yeah, eleven oh. five. Cool. Now, Luke. Lois is on a winning run, but can you get back on track? So, in 2011, Bala Briggs won the race, but did he carry more or less? Surely it was less. Yeah, it was less. So, he carried 11 stone. So, it's not that much less, but still less. And then, Sam, back to you. In 2012, I know Lois is going to be super jealous because this is one of her favourite horses. But in 2012, Neptune Collange won the race. Did he carry more or less weight than Bala Briggs? More. Yeah, that's right. 11 stone six. Oh. And then, Killian, we'll come back to you. In 2013, Aurora's Encore won the race, but did he carry more or less weight? Less. Well done. Ten stone three. Yeah, he was a light one. So, Lois, back to you. Pino de Rey won the race in 2014. Did he carry more or less weight? Um, ten three is quite low, so more. Yeah, he carried 10-6. Oh, yes. <laughs> Close one. <laughs> I'm enjoying this game. We should do this again. <laughs> oh, wait, we can't. Never mind. Oh, yeah. Doesn't work like that, does it? <laughs> we, can, we can go from 1920 to 1940. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> no, that would be absolutely like guesswork. That would be guesswork. Luke, your turn next. So... Many Clouds won the race in 2015. Did he carry more or less weight than Pino de Rey? Uh, more. Sure, he's near top weight, wasn't he? Yeah, he carried 11 stone 9. So then, Sam, back to you. Rule the World won in 2016. But did he carry more or less weight? Less. Yes, 10 stone 7. We're on a roll, guys. Keep it going. Killian? This one's on you. 2017, one for Arthur one. Did he have more or less? More. Yes, well done. Just. Yeah, I was thinking that. Now, Lois. 2018, he carried 10 stone 11. 11, 10 stone 11. One for Arthur. 2018, Lois. Did Tiger Roll carry more or less weight than one for Arthur? More. Well done. Yes. Ten oh thirteen. God. Now, Luke, in twenty twenty, will the winner carry more or less weight than Tiger Roll's eleven stone five last year? Yes. So now we're going to look towards the weekend's racing. We've got action at Ascot and Haydock. So we're going to start with the 150 at Ascot, which is the Sodexo Reynolds Town Novices Chase. So I need to mention we're recording this before the final declarations are out, as always. So we're going based off of Wednesday. So an interesting field for this race, actually. I quite like two for gold. Sam and I were there when he won at Warwick last time. Now, I'm not sure whether the plan is for him to run here or not. But if he shows up, I think he's got a really good chance. Um, he stays well. And I think he's got that bit of class about him too. So I'd love to see how he gets on. So, Killian, we'll come to you next. Who do you fancy for this race? Uh, first of all, it's it's really hard to have any strong fancies in this race. Just if you look at them, Pim has won his last two. Sam Brown has won his last two. Copperhead as well. Danny Wisbang was a bit disappointing at Kempton and then two for gold as well as last three starts. So it's a very competitive race. It's I'm not I couldn't really give you any strong fancy in it. 
I like Pim. He's improving and he's maturing into a nice horse. But it probably won't be an each way type of race either. We've only seven entries. Uh, Danny Wisbang is a horse I think could be one for a Grand National in time. But like I say, these horses are very closely matched, even in the handicap. There's only a couple of pounds between them. It, I couldn't be kind of tipping into in this race. It should be a close fought contest then, hopefully. Um, Sam, I'll come to you next. Who's your fancy for the Reynolds Town? I know the yard really likes Sam Brown, um, Anthony Honeyball. I think it's nice he's going to have quite... I think the horse could be very decent and it's good for him and his yard. Um, his win last time was really, really good and I really like that. Um, like you said previously as well, two for gold. He's got such a lovely attitude and I think he definitely will be there at the finish. I'm not actually convinced what Pim's beaten um, at the minute, like in his two chase starts and... I was really taken on Copperhead last time. So, like Killian said, it's such an open race, but I am leaning towards Sam Brown at the minute. Lois, do you have a pick for this one? Um, I completely agree with what you've said so far, you guys. It's just a difficult race. But I really like Danny Wisbone. Um, I think that last run, like Killian said, was disappointing. But um, I think he was found out slightly with the jumping um, around Kempton. And then he was hampered by um, the fall... Uh, was it um, Master Tommy Tucker, I think it was, who fell? Yeah, he was badly hampered, all right. Yeah, so that basically put him out completely. And um, I think Paul Nichols is quite keen on three miles soft ground because he's a stayer and um, he'll either go to the National Hunt Chase or the RSA at Cheltenham. So, I don't know, maybe as a stepping stone to there. Um, but like you say, it's, it's hard to have a firm choice in this race. Luke, what about you? Yeah, as you're saying, it is a very competitive race. No strong pick here, but I just side with Pim. He was beaten on debut over two and a half miles, which is an inadequate trip for him. He needs the three miles. He's been impressive the last twice winning, including at Cheltenham last time. I think he can run well in this competitive race. I'd completely forgotten, but I was at Newbury the last day when Copperhead won. And that was actually a really smart performance. It was in the Mandarin Handicap Chase. He beat Moving in Style, who was carrying a lot less weight from him. And considering this horse was a novice in open company, I think he's open for further improvement. So I think he's definitely another one in with a good shout here. But we'll move on next. Um, the boys have actually got quite a strong fancy. I say quite a strong fancy. They told me, don't skip this race because we've got the winner. So we're going to have a quick mention of the Swinley chase. So, Killian, tell us, who is your fancy? Um, so this is obviously quite a competitive race. Um, the Mandalil is at the top of the, the market. He's improving rapidly, but the one I like is a bit further down the list. I like Sammy Bill running off 10 stone, his mark of 135. Uh, he was sent off favourite at Kimpton last time. Uh, he's quite a keen goer, he has to be held up at the back. He made a few jumping mistakes at Kimpton early on in the race, and he was just kind of minded by a late Naspel. He made some nice headway after the last and he was a staying on third. He's up to three miles for this race, this handicap on Saturday. He was impressive at Aintree when again held up uh, and he was just delivered late and he went away nicely. One three and a quarter lengths. He was actually put up 11 pounds for that. But I, I still think he has a lot of improvement in him and off a mark of 135. I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes on Saturday. And Luke, you agreed, didn't you? Yeah, completely agree. I think he's a horse on the up. He's relatively light race. He's beaten by an improver the last time, Kent and Eric LaRouge. Nice horse going forward. But he's won twice this season, over two and a half miles. I think the step up and trip is going to be right up his alley. 
He was second in his point to point back in 2018. I think he'd go close. Uh, it seems to be double figure price at the moment. We'll have a quick jump over to Haydock to have a look at the Unibet Grand National Trial. And there's some decent horses entered in this race. The one that catches my eye is Ramses the Tally. I've completely got that name wrong, but um, he won a novice hurdle last time out and he won it in such good style. Clearly, I think the target for him would be the big one at Aintree. But it's quite a clever path that David Pipe has taken with him this year. And maybe that switch to hurdles last time may have, will have sharpened him up a bit. I think he's got a great shout in this contest. So, Lois, first of all, will you be there on Saturday? And second, do you have a pick for this race? Unfortunately, I won't. Even though I am driving now, I can't make it on Saturday. I've got something else, which is annoying. Um, but I do like Vintage Klaus. Um, we spoke about him previously on the pod. We said that he wasn't one to give up on. He proved us right because he came out to form last time at Haydock in the Peter Marsh, um, beating definitely, definitely Red into second. I think it'll be the same type of ground on Haydock, uh, Haydock on Saturday. Um It'll be attritional, is what I mean by that. Um, one slight concern would be his consistency. Um, before his last race, his last win, I think, was like November 2018 or something ridiculous like that. Um, however, Sue Smith does think a lot of him. And Trevor Hemmings wants a national horse. And as controversial as that might be, he could be the one. So, I don't know. I think, I think he'll run well. I think another one... Worth noting, if he runs, for me, would be Yala Enki, because, of course, I mentioned him earlier. I like him for the national. Um, Sam, we'll come to you next. Who's your pick for this race? Um, I am quite keen on Lord de Mesnil, um, number eight. Um, he um, is in really good form with himself. He's won his last three. He's definitely a horse on the up. Last time was over course and distance. He did it really well. And I don't think the ground will be a problem. So he's it's completely assured that he'll get the trip. So I'm quite excited to see how he can do. Course form is really, really key around Haydock as well. I mean, I say that for every single race course, but it's true, isn't it? Because we see these course specialists come back time and time again. So, yeah, Lord Dumenil has definitely got a great chance. Killian, have you had a look at this race? Yeah, I've had a quick look and I think Lord Manil is pretty solid like Samantha. And you say yourself, Neve, horse and distance winner, which is always a plus around Haydock. Uh, he'll stay at a trip and he'll handle the ground. He's in good form. It's hard to see him not being involved, to be honest. Luke, we'll come to you now. Who's your pick for this race? I decide with Elegant Escape. I liked him for the Welsh National the last day. I know he's top weight, but classes goes a long way in these handicaps, and he's kind of stuck in that bracket where he's not quite good enough to win a Grade One, but he's very high rate in the handicap. If he turns up, I'd give him a show. He ran well in the Hennessy at Newbury back in November. Now, the feature race on Saturday is back at Ascot. It is, of course, the Betfair Ascot Chase. The field is headlined by last year's absolutely brilliant winner, surname. He's the highest rated horse in training. And looking at the opposition, considering Frodon, unfortunately, isn't likely to get the run, it looks like it should be a case of the same as last year. Now, I really like Surname. I think he's a solid horse. I think back down to this course and distance, as we mentioned, course and distance is key. I think he's a good thing. And I think we should see a similarly dominating performance on Saturday as we did last year. Sam, are there any in this field that jump out as possible contenders to dethrone Surname? I don't doubt that Surname um, will win. But um, I think Riders on the Storm's definitely a horse on the improve. Since he's joined Nigel Twiston Davies, he's won his last two. And last time, he wasted a lot of energy to begin with. 
and the ground was just really tacky. So I think to win as well as he did, it proves he's a really good horse. And I do kind of fancy him for the Ryanair if um, surname wasn't to go there because he didn't last year. I'm not sure if that was due to injury or something or they just deliberately chose not to run him. Um, But yeah, I think Riders on the Storm will threaten but not beat surname. Tristan Davies' team seems to be quite keen on Riders on the Storm. He's definitely a smart horse. Um, Lois, what are your thoughts on this race? Do you think anything jumps out as a key contender? Um, I think I agree. Riders on the Storm is an improving horse, and he could be a he could be a threat if I don't know. Perhaps last time out, surname was beaten twenty one blinks by Clandesovo, and you're not sure whether or not that would have left a mark because it was a little bit of a tough race for him. He wasn't given all his own way um, in the front and the front end of the race. Um, so it could have left a mark. And if that is the case, which it probably isn't, let's face it, he's going to be back over his trip, his track, and most likely his ground. But if um, there is a question mark um, over him, then Riders in the Storm will probably be the one to exploit that. Killian, give us a quick word on this race. Uh, if, if Surname is fitting well, I think he wins this, to be honest. Uh, like you said, there seems to be plenty of confidence from the Twiston Davis team about riders in the storm, but my concern with him would be is he's quite... He's not really a keen sort, but he does like to get on with things. And we know Surname's going to set the pace. I don't think riders in the storm will be able to get past him, to be honest. There's 15 pounds between them on ratings alone. Like, surname was obviously a bitter disappointment in the King George, but back to his favourite track, Ascot, he's going to be very hard to beat. And finally, Luke, who's your pick for this Ascot chase? Yeah, it's very hard to see by surname back to track where he kind of announced himself as a superstar here last year. The run at Kempton was very disappointing. Like, he had, he's only... 21 lengths behind Clander's elbow and he's five lengths ahead of Footpad. Footpad has since let the form down. So if surname isn't to run up, run his race, the riders on the storm should be there to pick up the thing, pick up the places late on. Yeah. So Sam gave a quick mention about surname and whether he might go to Cheltenham or not. Now, talking about Cheltenham, there are an awful lot of Cheltenham previews out there, but we are going to tell you the one that you need to be at. And Killian's going to tell us a bit more about this because he's organised it himself and it's all for charity. So, Killian, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your Cheltenham preview night? Yeah, um, so next year I'm climbing uh, Kilimanjaro in aid of the Meningitis Research Foundation. And I was just kind of thinking of what fundraisers I could do. I suppose last week, kind of a Cheltenham preview night crossed my mind. Um, I kind of left it a bit late to be honest for planning and organising like there's a lot of work involved but thankfully I've managed to get a pretty good panel together we have Robbie Irwin SMC he does a lot of work with race courses and stuff uh, we have Gavin Cromwell as our trainer obviously won the champion hurdle with Espar Dallin uh, Jonathan Moore is the jockey on the panel we have Johnny Ward from Off the Ball on News Talk. Davy Boland from Racing's Inside Track TV, who does a lot of good point to point coverage. And we also have Andrew Blair White, who I suppose is one of the younger generation of racing fans. He does a lot of kind of good videos on YouTube and he contributes to the Racing Ride podcast as well. Uh, he's a big future ahead of him. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the panel. Uh, it's on in Murphy's Pub at Mines in Dublin on the 27th of February. It kicks off at 8pm and there'll be a raffle and auction on the night too. Uh, I've, if you just check out my Twitter, at Killian Broad, um, the link to the tickets is there. Uh, they're 15 euro and of course all money go into the charity. It's now come to that time in the podcast where we pick our nap of the weekend. As always, these naps are just for fun and for no other purpose. 
This weekend I've decided to nap Rainbow Dreamer at Kempton on Sunday. We're not sure what impact Storm Dennis is going to take, so while I was considering both Magic of Light or Kilbrick and Storm in their respective races, I think Kempton is more likely to get the green light and go ahead. So Rainbow Dreamer won a really similar contest at Wolves last time. His odds are going to be quite short today, but he's drawn on the inside round Kempton. He's got Oshi Murphy, last season's champion jockey on board, who's back from Japan. And I really fancy his chances to follow up and remain unbeaten on the all-weather this season. He'll have a nice strong pace set by King's Advice, who's a couple of stalls away from him. And I think he can continue his run of good form here. I'm Luke and my nap this week of Fenora in the Boyne Hurdle at Navin on Sunday. Gordon has emphasised that Tiger O will need to run and I think Kilfenora can be the one to win this race. He's won his two, last two starts in handicap company well and I think he'll be good enough to win this competitive race. My nap for this weekend's racing comes into 2.55 at Navin on Sunday. It's a two mile four furlongs mare's handicap hurdle and I really like the chances of blanket on the ground in this. She finished a good second to Roxanne at Goran over two miles. Roxanne has subsequently franked the form by finishing second to Black Tears at Leopardstown on the Sunday of the Dublin Racing Festival. I think Blanket on the ground will really appreciate the step up to two miles four furlongs at Navin on Sunday. And if she can reproduce something similar to her Goran run, I think she'd have a cracking chance in this. My nap of the weekend is Belle de Manek in the 4.45 at Ascot on Saturday. This four-year-old is really well regarded by Anthony Honeyball. They had Miss Parfois in the same colours and this filly was a good winner on debut at Warwick. Last time she was sixth but only got beaten four and a quarter lengths at Cheltenham behind some good rivals. I think her experience will be useful in this contest. So we're always looking for ways to improve our podcast and a new feature that we've come up with is getting a horse of the week every week. What racing does very well is celebrating its champions. So what I wanted to do was every week give a set of clues and then post those clues on Twitter. Our listeners can reply, try and guess which horse I'm talking about and the following week in the next podcast we'll announce the winner and tell you a little bit about what makes this horse so great and memorable. So this week I'm going to give three clues. I'm not going to give the name of the horse. In fact, I'm going to delete what I've written down so that I don't accidentally spill the beans. Um, so I'm also going to ask the guys here these same questions, give them these clues, and if they want, they can have a guess, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm just not going to say the answer because we're going to save that for the next podcast. So the first clue is this horse won 16 races under rules. It won nine grade ones, including a champion bumper, and it beat a future Grand National winner in a listed chase. So, does anyone have any guesses? Q card? Yeah, I was going to say Q card as well. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. You'll just have to listen next week and find out who this horse is. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the Rainer Tim Racing Podcast. We'd love any feedback you have for us, so please feel free to get in touch on Twitter at Rainer Tim Racing. Have a great week and we hope you'll join us again next time.